Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 podcast, a review podcast in fact. Yes, it's the 22-23 season review podcast from the show that's not quite old enough to remember when United finished above City in the league. And the show that is not arrogant, just better. Uh, we're looking back at an astonishing season, one I can once more say was the greatest in the club's history. Let's talk trebles all round. And to do so, it's the big, big guns. Two guys still laughing at Stephen House and reading out 115 charges, dressed <laughs> as a blues brother. It's Asan and Stay. Uh, good afternoon, chaps. How are you? I'll start with you, Asan. Um, I'm hot, but I'm really good, Howard. Yeah. Um, I'm already desperate to open a window again. Missing the rain, so. Uh, Stay, how are you? I'm very well. And yeah, I've loved that video. Um, we have rattled them so much. We were never that bad. I've seen a lot of City fans saying this week, oh, you know, the situation's completely reversed now. They've become us. We were never, ever that pathetic. I don't know. What would we have done in <laughs> it with social media? Exactly. I was going to say, yeah. so we, we, we thankfully didn't have to look at the <laughs> social media age, so That's we'll true. never know what we would have done. And also, I saw a video today of him. His exact words were, Ed Woodward was as mm. bad for United as Munich. Mm. Yeah. And I literally... I couldn't, I thought it was a, um, you know, a, like a thing where you edit a video to make somebody say something that they didn't say. And then I started reading the replies and I realized he actually said those words out loud. And he says, before he says it, I'm going to say this on video. And I was just like, wow, mm-hmm. wow, <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. that thing the other night was a parody, right? I, I'm assuming so. I mean, <laughs> the way he was dressed and everything, and, and yeah, I'm assuming so. But he's just a pathetic individual, isn't he? It, and it that, that thing he said about Munich was was an utter disgrace. It, mm. it, it was sickening. It wasn't there, was it? The thing the other night they actually sat down, planned that, and thought it was good content. <laughs> let's be honest. So. But yeah, he must long- be aware that everyone's going to take the piss out of him, and, yeah. and that's that's where we are these days. You know, it's it's the same with that Rory Tory, the Chelsea fan. Um, and, and all the others, you know, saying a, a ridiculous thing about Haaland, for example, loves all that. Loads of clicks, loads of attention, makes him famous. We are celebrating stupid. That's mm. that's that's where we are now. You know, it's like it started in reality TV and now it's infiltrated itself into football where it is a celebration of stupidity. Um, Rory Jennings and co, KDB, not a big game player, three million views. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What would you get if you said he was nothing, probably? So, and you can't avoid him because we just there's just on your timeline constantly. It's like I don't give a flying fuck what he says. I literally couldn't care less what he says. If you sit next to me in the pub spouting opinions, I would go to the other side of the pub. <laughs> really, I quite. Oh. I'm 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 really beginning to lean into some of the um uh the the more outrageous content creators because I just <laughs> it's one of those things where like. You kind of like I. I think about this sometimes when we do podcasts that this podcast will exist forever. Yeah, you can never escape the words that you say on a pod. Yeah, Um, and it's a little bit like that, but in video. Some of these lads like they do this stuff in video form, and then you know they have to live with the consequences of that. And that's what makes me think they're not really that bothered. They do it for the. Oh, no. For the engagements, yeah, absolutely. It's a lucrative it drift. It, that's what it's it is. A, exactly that, but furthermore, it leads to 
kind of you know them rising up the career ladder that's what that's a bit what annoys me mm. you find them then appearing on five live and all the rest of it it's like no you shouldn't be rewarded for your stupidity anyway it's been one of the great weeks for hot takes i think the the best angle of all is the 99 trouble was better because they were shitter <laughs> so just... yeah yeah I've, I, i've loved that oh yeah i'm okay with loads that. of drama yeah i'm okay with that I'm I'm, comp- I'm perfectly fine with the idea that that Man United team were actually a bit rubbish, and therefore managing to fluke a treble uh, is somehow more impressive than a top team actually going out and winning a treble. Mm. Like if that's if that's where you've landed in terms of your uh, your analysis of the of the two achievements, then cool, more mm. power to your elbow. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for admitting this team is better. We appreciate it. So let's shake hands and not talk. Uh, compare the two again. Anyway. How has your week been uh, before we, we look back at an astonishing 10 months? Uh, what sort of content you've been consuming since the weekend? Me. Both. Well, I've not really consumed a lot. I'm, I'm more kind of, um, I, I've really, I, I just enjoy waking up every morning and thinking, yeah, we, we went ahead and won the treble, including the Champions League. I'm, I'm still, I'm still in that zone and in mm. that mode. And I feel as though if I begin to, you know, if I begin to consume content, then something will trigger me. And I don't really mm. feel like being triggered this week. I'm just quite happy in my little city bubble. And I'm going to see how long I can go in my little city bubble. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a classic match, so I had very little desire, to be honest, to watch the match back. Uh, I've seen the celebrations. I've seen, obviously, I was sat in the airport watching a bit of the parade. Uh, there's not actually, well, other than reading stuff, you know, people's experiences and that sort of thing, Steve. Mm. I've not probably consumed that much either because it's all, there's nothing left really, is there? It's just the knowledge it happened is enough in a way and your own personal experience of it all. That, yeah, particularly that latter point. It's your own personal experience will trump all. Um, but yeah, I've I've read about the, I've watched all the videos of the celebrations and the parade and all the rest of it. Uh, I've read about people's experiences because they're from City fans. I've read you know great City writers like Simon Curtis and all the rest of it. Um, as regards to, I'm exactly like Ace, and I have avoided, and I'm I'm assuming there is a plethora of articles out there just slagging on City, being, you know, dismissive of what we've done for, you know, whatever angle they choose. Uh, I've avoided all them like the plague because it's, it's it's better for my mental health and it's just too big an achievement, this, to have it sullied in any way, shape or form by small men. So I've purposely, you know, made sure that hasn't happened. Hmm. Fair enough. Right, should we start looking back then? Yes, my memory's awful. As a, Whenever we do a pod like this, I have to throw out the caveat at the start. My memory is atrocious. Steve, I've written you an essay for this show. <laughs> oh, I'd just like to throw out a caveat that my memory is atrocious. Sorry, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I assumed you spent all morning watching old games, but yeah, it seems not. I mean, no. 7th of August 2022 was the West Ham game. Hey, son, that that was feels a, like a long time. Two years ago. It genuinely feels like two years ago. A lifetime ago, yeah. Uh, we don't really need to mention the Community Shield, not because we lost, but because it's a glorified friendly, as I've made clear many times. Uh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> we'll always disagree on that. It's, it's not. not. Did it ruin your season then, Steve? It, 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 it ruined the weekend. It's a meaningful title, and I'll always stand by that. Yeah. 
Uh, it's not. So, <laughs> so the first real game was, of course, West Ham away. Uh, how I, the weekend I somehow managed to watch Abba two hundred yards away and not actually go to the game itself, despite being staying staying next to the uh, the stadium for the entire weekend. Is that, uh, that was that the weekend you went to see Abba? Yeah, City so played West Ham. Yeah. Man, it really does feel like two years ago. That's ridiculous. Middle of a heat wave, of course, everywhere. London mm-hmm. was parched. Hot day and a proper debut for Erling Haaland. Asan, do you remember that match? West Ham away. I the do. introduction of Erling Haaland. I do. Did what happened that day match up with your pre-match, uh, pre-season expectations, really, of what, you know, of your excitement levels that you had for this season? Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, it did. I think... Uh, the the kind of the KDB's pass and and Haaland's goal, the way he just kind of opens his body up and and places it, was just you know, I don't know it. it, it having been through two and a half years or however long it was of false nining and you know, kind of forgetting what it was like to mm. have a guy who knows how to just do it really simply, it was just such an incredible feeling. I remember, it's funny, I remember that game very, 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 very fondly. And I remember at the end of the game being hugely optimistic about the season as a whole, just based off that 90 minutes. Yeah, I had to listen to it in the car, but I was with a United fan. I think they were losing at home to Brighton that, yes, that same yeah, day. Did, yeah. yeah, so interesting car journey back from London that was. So. <laughs> Steve, what about your your excitement levels for the season? Did it did the excitement revolve around the fact that we signed Erling Haaland? Yeah. And it made uh, it different to previous seasons' excitement? Or? Um, yeah, I was somewhat thrown by the Community Shield. I, of course, you know, the narrative that emerged after that was, ludicrous and we can look back on it now and just kind of chuckle along at the um you know Nunes is a better player and and Harlan was going to flop and he wasn't a fit for the city side etc based on you know 90 minutes of football still just privately there were little kind of doubts there just thinking okay of course he's a phenomenal footballer but is this going to work is this or more pertinently is this going to work as well as we we think it may work and then the West Ham game came along and Holland just blitzed West Ham. Uh, he, he just looked phenomenal that day. His finishing and the his presence um, and and the way he synced up with KDB, as Aysan said, um, huge pluses going forward. They were, um, and then we routed Bournemouth, didn't we? Kind of a week later, um, and so at that point it was game on. It was like, okay, what are we going to achieve this season? And you know, in what manner are we going to? are we going to achieve it? Because this could be a very memorable season. So it was a very optimistic start and an upbeat start to the season. Ah, yes, Bournemouth, when I unleashed my triple captain token in fantasy football, thinking uh, he would clean up against Bournemouth and, of course, didn't score in that game. Can you, can you imagine that's the only game? He's touched, uh, yeah, yeah. I- can't believe that. I still can't get over that. The fact that we score all those goals and he doesn't get one. Hmm. Was really, he must have assisted. He must have. I, I haven't got it in front of me, but I'm guessing he must have assisted that day. I don't know. But I, I think he did, you know. I think he might have assisted the Alvarez goal. Hmm. Well, after that, of course, was a 3 old draw against Newcastle. Uh, we're not going to go through every game, of course, but I think, Asan, this is uh, really one of the games of the season in a way. 
And it's one of those games where I came out of it feeling, not knowing what to feel in a way. I, we wouldn't know that Newcastle were going to finish in the top four, but we did know that they'd been taken over, of course, and uh, were a growing force. Did you come out of this one with worries or did you just come out thinking, well, that was a cracking game? And City did, of course, come down from two-goal deficit as well, so showed some fight. So, I mean, in, I, I, I really enjoyed it as a spectacle. Obviously, it's hard not to enjoy a game like that from a, from a spectacle point of view. But I can't help but think that that's the day that Guardiola goes, ah, I'm not having this. Like, this, this is not, you know, from a control point of view, this ain't it. I feel as though, like, every, not to overstate, the importance of the Champions League. But I feel as though he went into this season going, I'm having the Champions League. And so he spent the entire season slowly ironing out anything that could be a problem in the Champions League. And I bet that he looked at that game and went, I'm not having that. Like, that's just basketball and basketball games just don't work. So I enjoyed it, but I can't help but feel that it was the beginning of something that we'll come to later that, quickly became very frustrating. Hmm. Well, the ironing didn't work at first because Crystal Palace next. Uh, 2-0 down, but of course, Holland, Erling Haaland hat-trick, 4-2. So another crazy game. And of course, with Crystal Palace at home, could be considered one of my most difficult games of the season, <laughs> considering past history. Uh, absolutely blitz voice. But then, you know, I remember watching this on holiday, really disappointed one-all draw at Villa. Uh, and we won 3-0 at Wolves, but I didn't feel it was a great performance. But, of course, we scored Grealish in the opening minute. helped <coughs> very much. Steve, at this point, it wasn't perfect, was it? Haaland was doing his thing and it was exciting. <laughs> and, yeah, we hadn't seen anything like it. But City weren't in top gear. But then again, do you remember at all what you felt at the time? Because City don't tend to start the season well anyway. And I guarantee you, with a two-month gap now... Uh, I doubt they'll start next season well either. It's not how yeah, Pep yeah, plans yeah. the season. Did you have any thoughts about the one, you know, how the season was going to pan out at this point or were you just enjoying the ride? Well, first I should say I completely agree about the start of next season. So it doesn't bode well that we have to go to Burnley on a Friday night. Um, you know what the atmosphere is going to be like there. Um, but yeah, Newcastle and Palace in the space of six days we consecutive, consecutively went two goals behind and we ended up drawing one and winning one. So you've got to take the positives from that. Um, yes, as Edison said, it was kind of basketball, football in those games, but it was also, you know, the mentality was right. The mentality was strong in that squad to, to kind of come back on two occasions like that, to absolutely demolish Forrest as we did. I mean, we just looked at just like different worlds apart. Then came the Villa game. I, that was the only game of the whole season which I didn't see because um, I was on a stag do, so I was following it on my phone. And it just didn't feel right. I remember looking at the final result then thinking, something's not right this season. Um, I can't even bloody remember beating Wolves 3-0. <laughs> Apart from Grealish's uh, first-minute goal. I can't remember anything of rest. What I will was say, though, kickoff. Yeah, it was a 12.30 kickoff on the Saturday. Right, I remember Grealish's goal. Very early, and they had a player sent off, didn't they, about 35 minutes in. Yes. Uh, what, I, what I would say, though, just before we get to the Derby game, um, my wife kind of just follows City, because I do, you know, and she's not really into football. I remember the um, the Wolves game uh, for that reason, though, because I remember saying, oh, Haaland scored again. And the response was just like, 
what? This doesn't happen. And this was someone who doesn't really follow football. She knew that this isn't normal. You know, mm. this lad was just scoring, you know, one, twos and threes every single game. Uh, and I just remember her face. She was like, this this isn't normal. I was like, I know, it's ace, isn't it? Well, Hattrick against Forrest as well. So he's already on two. And of course, my mate had a big bet on him getting five for the season. Of course, once he hit four Hattricks in the second half of the season... Anytime he got the second goal, uh, he was off the pitch. He was betting you know, often not getting past 60, 70 minutes. Yeah. As uh, obviously Pep looked to manage his workload and his body, basically. Look, you, uh, Asan, it was mentioned in passing by Steve. <laughs> a basketball game in a way, 6 3 in the Derby. Uh, I was actually slightly annoyed. We gave him two goals at the end, but where does that first 45 minutes ranking? the greatest 45 minutes performances in City, well, perhaps ever in a way. I think it's probably my favourite 45 minutes in any derby I've ever witnessed. Um, I, I think derbies are so unique that you can't really expand it out and make it about, you know, where does it rank in all-time great halves? Derbies are a one-off games in that sense, so it was just the best 45 I've, I've ever seen in a derby. Hmm. Stay, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, you said it was a basketball game. If if that's a basketball game, we're talking about the Harlem Globetrotters because 4-0 at halftime, um, we could have racked up an absolute cricket score that day. And to the extent where you actually walked away feeling frustrated and, and a touch annoyed at those late goals by Martial because it gave it gave them somewhat of a credence, you know, that, that the scoreline. Uh, and they didn't deserve that that day. They were just humiliated, outplayed, we were a class apart. Um, and I love the fact that Foden got a hat-trick in a, in a derby. Holland too, of course, but oh, Foden yeah, got... obviously, yeah. Yeah, the fact that Phil got a, a hat-trick in a, a... I mean, that's a stuff of dreams. Mm. You know, if you're lying in bed as a kid and you're you're kind of, you know, having a little daydream before going to bed, it's scored a hat-trick against United, isn't it? Uh, and so, yeah, that was a great plus as well. But we were just different class that day. Everything just synced up beautifully and we made United look garbage. Um, it was a thoroughly entertaining, what, 84 minutes before they just pulled back a little bit of kind of cons- uh, consolation. Yeah, it was never a penalty and stick No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. I don't think Cancelo didn't even put a tackle in. It just ran into him. But hey... Rather when you're 6-2 up than uh, when it's uh, on the edge at one all in the 90th minute. So, yeah, the other frustration that City eased off after six. So, it, it could have been 10. Maybe it should have been 10. And we've uh, done this in the past as well. We have done this in previous derbies. And that's the one thing, the one, you know, if I, if I could be privileged enough to have half an hour with Pep Guardiola, I would basically just kind of kiss his ass for 29 minutes. But the one thing would be like, Pep, Next time we've got a healthy lead in a Manchester Derby, can you just really you know, just keep that foot on their throat, please? Because it, it means so much to us to just run up a, a stupid scoreline. Hmm. Uh, beat Southampton, but... Okay, so this is... Uh, there's not many lows in this in the greatest of all seasons, but some things you can count on. Uh, limp and field performance. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Uh, we have one there. In an empty stadium, we've drawn there, of course, but this 1-0 defeat, uh, if memory serves me right, this 
this infuriated you for a long time, didn't it? Now? The most pathetic tactical setup lineup Guardiola came up with in can, the entire season. Yeah, can I just interject? They were already struggling, if memory serves me right. Yeah, they, they, were, they were poor. They were, they were, poor. They were yeah. shit. They were shit. It was pathetic from Pep. It was the most, yeah, it was just, it was horrendous on the, it was just horrendous. Like we, the, the amount of respect paid to a team that wasn't on the ropes at that point. It was on the canvas lying there with a broken jaw going, I don't want to get up. And we contrived to put together a system and a performance that allowed them to get up, punch us in the face and knock us out. Piss me off. Right, I'm playing devil's advocate, Steve. Despite their struggles, they accept in the COVID years, they don't lose at home generally. Mm-hmm. And let's say Cancelo Hunt made that terrible decision to try and get in front of uh, Salah and withdraw nil-nil. Would you still have come out of that game thinking, no, that was absolutely not the way to go to Anfield? And oh, yeah, at the time, I probably would have been frustrated because Liverpool was so poor going into that game. But, you know, a couple of days later, absolutely, I'd be looking back on it and going, well, nil-nil at Anfield. I'll take that all day long. No matter what kind of incarnation of Liverpool it is, it's still Liverpool at Anfield. Um, but no, at the time, I would have still been frustrated regardless of the result because, yeah, as Aysen said, we, we just looked limp, listless, apathetic, and just accepted our fate um, of which we brought on ourselves that day. Hmm. I think we should move on then. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't feel right to be slagging on, on the city side after what we've just done. <laughs> Well, we beat Brighton 3-1, but they were probably one of the best sides we'd seen at, at the They were brilliant, season. yes. We won yeah. one in at Leicester, really. I mean, it's that the most bizarre Kevin De Bruyne free kick that hit the middle of the post but went in. I don't understand <laughs> how, it, how he got spin on it that somehow, you know, watch, it does hit the middle of the post, not the inside, and then goes into the goal. It was a pretty dreary game, to be honest, but... Again, early kickoff on Saturday, got the three points. And then the Fulham game, of course. Cancelo sent off after 26 minutes. Holland scores. And then that late, late, late penalty uh, from him to to scrape a 2-1 victory. And then... When we all decided to have a, a meet-up, eh, Sam? <laughs> uh, we all went to the match. We all met up afterwards. The last game before the World Cup was Brentford at home 2-1. At this stage, because you know, I've just mentioned three victories there, but none of them were particularly impressive. What We're getting deeper into the season now, and it's the strangest of seasons because, of course, we're about to go into World Cup. By this point, were you already having serious concerns that this team wasn't quite functioning as well as it could do? No, I mean, I, I think that as witnessed by my little uh, mini meltdown at the reminder of that Anfield game, I think that at that point, I felt as though Pep had done something to inhibit the manner in which we were playing. And that was becoming apparent in performances that felt um, listless and a little bit lacking in dynamism. I think like it felt as though everybody was doing what they were meant to be doing, but they hated what they were meant to be doing. So they, they were all kind of doing it with a shrug of the shoulders rather than really leaning into the jobs that they had to do. And that sort of culminated in that Brentford game, which was also just a weird game mm. 
Do you know what I mean? Like it just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it was a weird game all around that game. Did it feel for you, Steve, that the World Cup was on the mind of the players that day? Oh, was yeah, absolutely. No, 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 I don't. I think both things can be true. Brentford were, were, were you know, well worth their win. Um, but yeah, we had more players than any other team going to the World Cup. And that was a factor that day, I think. I think it was a, a weird weekend all round. Um, I can't recall them offhand, but I know there was a few other surprising results that day. Um, and the players basically had one iron guitar, didn't they? So, um, but that doesn't take anything away from just the, how stunned we were at 98th minute at concession. Um, hardly the best way to take a break for three weeks. Hmm. And of course, Brentford would do the double over the triple winners. So, <laughs> I think the one thing the one thing I would say is that um, Brentford went on to show over the course of the season just what uh, how good a team they are, and I mm. think that you know obviously we tend to go into every game expecting to win it um particularly games that don't involve what we consider to be the, the traditional top 6 but i'm beginning to reevaluate how i look at the league i think we kind of the league's quite weird in that there's teams scattered right across the league that in their moment can do you and that's part of what makes the league so interesting. And I just think Thomas Frank is a brilliant manager. That system is excellent. The players that have been recruited are excellent. And they were worthy winners Winners on the day. I mean, it wasn't that they fluked a result. They fully deserved to win that game. They were much better than City over the 90 minutes. They, they were good away from home all season as well, weren't they? So that's a, an archetypal performance. Of, exactly. That's what they do well. So, yeah. Hmm. Of course, what I haven't mentioned is Champions League group stages. But Steve, kind of seem pointless mentioning nowadays. Uh, <laughs> City won the group, nothing spectacular, but they won the first three games. So they pretty much, by the halfway stage, assured qualification. There was just yeah. a little jeopardy, I guess, in getting top spot, but very little jeopardy. Under Pep, you kind of know, don't you? We go in there in pot one. Uh, you may get a tricky group, but you kind of know they're going through. Did this group stage, obviously start with a 4-0 in Seville. Uh, we drew away to Copenhagen, of course, with 10 men and, and Dortmund, and the home win against Dortmund included that, that spectacular, yeah. a spectacular John Stones goal as well, actually. But I did think the, the keeper was weird that night. I'm sure he moved his hand away from that John Stones <laughs> rocket. Uh, and, of course, a spectacular head height, scissor kick, whatever it was from uh, from Erling Haaland who respectively didn't uh, respectfully didn't celebrate his goal the group stages just feel a bit I mean it sounds arrogant to say it but do they feel like formalities nowadays they do, they do well they do in contrast to how we used to feel about them mm. and you know you can look back, we're not going too far back really and we had an incredible team at that time but, you know, if you look back at kind of 15, 16, let's say, uh, off the top of the head, we would go into the group stages and look at Barcelona, look at who else we were up against and thinking, you know, we'll take second here. Let's, let's just progress. Um, but now you kind of, you, you do assume that you're going to progress. It's more a case of, you know, the small chance of not getting the top spot. Um, but if you start off by beating Seville 4-0 in Spain, and, and it was a really enjoyable game, I thought, against Dortmund, um, ultimately, I should say, because of how it transpired, um, and then 
thrashing Copenhagen, then you, that's it. You're as good as done. You made this point on a previous part, Howard, that in that group stage, we... Oh, sorry, no, overall in the Champions League, including the semi-finals, we drew four of the five away games. Hmm. That speaks volumes, I think, for how we've evolved uh, in terms of progressing through Europe, um, navigating a path to the final, um, the, the maturity, the intelligence, the thought, the planning, everything that's behind it, and the execution of all that as well. Um, if you get draws away from home and you, you win at home, you're going to do very well in any competition. And so this is a really good example of it this season, I think, in, in the fact that we drew, what, kind of 80, 80% of our games away from home. Mm, I think we drew five, didn't we, after that Seville Did game? We, oh, was it five out of six? Sorry, it might have been five out of six. Or just five in a row after the Seville game, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. And then, of course, the World Cup. So, well, obviously, we're going to come back to the the real crux of the Champions League when it gets more exciting. Uh, the knockout stages are always better, of course, just generally. But of course, first, and that, you know, I've split this season into three blocks and that was, for me, the end of block one, uh, or part one. Asan, did it annoy you to have that World Cup in the middle or did you actually enjoy having a break and some weird festival of football not involving City I mean- uh, just bang in December? I don't because it's never happened before. I didn't really know how to feel about yeah. it, other, other than like, okay, fair enough. Like, there's a break now, and and then it'll start again afterwards. And I, I don't know. Like, it didn't. I don't. I, I'm not a guy who was like, it's outrageous. They put a World Cup in the middle of the season. It's just whatever. Like football at the top, the top of the game. The administrators, like, they don't give two shits about supporters or players or anything like that so am i shocked that they put it in the middle of the season no like i'm sure one day the champions league final will be played in new york or abu dhabi or somewhere like that it's just it's just the way the game is so whatever sorry i know that's probably not a very interesting answer but that's just how i feel about it mm. did you actually enjoy it though i think so i like tournament football I, I mm. do. I find it a nice distraction from club football. I, fi- I think what I like about it is that I'm never too invested. So I can enjoy tournament football without that pit of your stomach, visceral yeah. anger if your team loses. Yeah. Uh, Steve, we used to pay more attention. Our city had more players there than anyone else, of course. Did that sway who you were supposed to join the tournament? Not necessarily i have to say because i was more bothered about the fact that wales were just terrible and it's like the end of days for wales um end of an era um and so once i'd got over that i could just enjoy the football as a neutral and of course you're going to be kind of wanting the individual city players to do well but i never really had any favorites at that world cup once wales had, had gone um i wanted england to do well um, but really it was a case of just enjoying the football. And I've got to say, I, I surprised myself in how much I enjoyed it. I mean, helped considerably by the fact that the final was so memorable and, and ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the timing of it was atrocious and criminal, I would go as far as to say. Um, certainly immoral and unethical, but um, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So just there's no, nothing I can do about it. So I'll just sit back and watch the games and enjoy them. And I did. Can I just say that one thing that, that kind of rankled with me a lot was <clears throat> all the way through 
the build up to the tournament and during the tournament, there was this people would scream really loudly like, Oh, this is this is corrupt. This whole thing is corrupt. The fact that it's here is corrupt. And it's like every single World Cup is corrupt in exactly the same way. Like FIFA as an organization are corrupt. Ergo, all the decisions that they make are also please don't sue me if you work for FIFA and you turn and say that. Um, but you, you, you get the point that I'm making here, lads. It's like, I think because it was held in the Middle East, it was very easy for a lot of people to shout really loudly, oh, that's dead corrupt. And I was kind of sat there going, when it, you know, when it was in South Korea, when it, wherever, wherever the World oh, Cup is held, it's held for political reasons, right? And those political reasons generally boil down to brown paper bags full of cash, hmm. allegedly. <laughs> I, I don't agree with any of that. <laughs> ah, legally you don't. Legally, I don't agree with any of that. <laughs> yes. Asan's entitled to his personal opinion, which is not the opinion of the podcast as a <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a lot of high-handedness and um i have to say i've got a couple of mates who didn't watch a single minute of it um i mean i love them to bits but it was like oh come on just it doesn't make any difference it's happening now just, yeah just, that just, told them didn't it exactly just like, have a cold drink and, and enjoy the game it's mm. yeah sticking it to the man by not watching it i mm. mean no one will ever know you didn't watch it so exactly yeah uh, you're not part of the viewing figures unless you Unless you are one of them that does does the sampling. Stay, how did it feel to come back to a Carabao Cup tie then against Liverpool? <clears throat> it was brilliant. It was a great game. <laughs> yeah. It was a really Palette really cleanser, was it? Yeah. it? That's exactly that's a really good description of it. It really was. Um, yeah, it, that was a basketball game. I mean, Liverpool just went out all out attack. We had all out attack. Um, it was obviously kind of intriguing because there was different players there who we're not aware of and um can't remember his bloody name now the young lad in midfield begins with B for Liverpool. Uh but, but, but anyway I don't, he, I don't bat, remember this bat, game at all. Bat, bat, yes Badgetich there you go Badgetich he's he's a talent you know and so just seeing things like even you know from a city perspective I was able to enjoy his performance. Um and Carvalho was was impressive too for Liverpool, but from City, that was just ah, oh, it was beautiful to see. It was just it, it, we just breezed through them. We played absolutely. I, I was not expecting that from both sides. I have to say, I, I thought it would be a case of tentatively finding your way back into domestic football. Instead, they just rip roared into each other, and it was a really enjoyable game of football. Hmm. Enjoyable win at Leeds as well. But then the game that annoyed yes. me more than any other game across the entire season, what well, a grump I was on New Year's Eve. No change there then, uh, some may say. One all against Asan against Everton. This, this infuriated me for so many reasons. I mean, they are, they were such a terrible side. They had one attack. It just felt like a city of, of old, basically. And it also did get me concerned that there were systematic, you know, systematic issues with his side. Mm, I think, I, I think that was the first time that I sort of began to feel as though um, what I said pre World Cup, that idea of you know the players being asked to do something that they don't necessarily like. That that was the if I thought it before the World Cup, the Everton game was the moment where I kind of went what's going on here? Like, 
is this the players or is this Pep? Like, I, I don't really, I don't really understand what's happening because, like, statistically, the game's a joke in terms of possession. But then, if you look at like shots on target and real chances created and stuff like that, it's kind of worrying. What really was very bad, like very, very, mm. very, very toothless. Um, so, and obviously, like, you kind of you're dealing with the spectre of a side who feel like they're on the march in Arsenal. And you kind of, you, you you had that juxtaposition of Guardiola was saying in press conferences that, you know, Arsenal are hungry, you know, that you can tell they've not won a title before because they're just, they're, they're, they're attacking every game like animals and, and City were the, were the literal opposite of that. Now, I think that the, almost the unspoken truth underneath that is that City aren't really, never really been like Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool or they've never really been animals in that sense that we kind of, our, our skill is in being, in executing the system that Guardiola has put together flawlessly and our really top players doing what they're meant to do in any given moment of the pitch. And as long as they do that with a hundred percent commitment, then we're good and we win. And so it kind of, I began to feel as though are the players not committed to this? And if that's the case, then they can go because Guardiola to me is bigger than any footballer at the club. So, and I wouldn't ever want Pep to leave. Whereas I'm all right with any lad who doesn't like what Pep's asking them to do to get off. So it was, the, it was certainly the beginning of, you know how optimistic I am, but it was certainly the beginning of my wobble about what the rest of the season had in store. Mm. And I guess Steve, that made Chelsea away suddenly become what Lloyd would call a must win game. Uh, but it felt that way. I guess by this stage, we're all thinking Arsenal the real deal. So they got 50 points, didn't in the first 19. Mm. Are you by this stage already thinking they're going to go the whole way and they are our main rivals? Yeah. Um, I don't want to kind of put words in my previous self's mouth because I, in, in what I mean by that is now I look back on the season and think, well, of course Arsenal wobbled. They were always going to have a wobble, whether it was kind of at the midway point or whether it was at the end. Um, but I think back then I was actually starting to get a bit concerned that they could just keep going. Because I did the um, review shows with Tom every week and seemingly every week we would say, yeah, Arsenal have won again. Is this basically, you know, is this a year? Are they going to kind of last for distance? And, and They'd have these little spells of tougher games as well. I mean, I remember we kept saying, well, now we'll find out what they're made of. Yeah, you know, past January as well. And they kept doing well in them. And it's like, oh, damn. That's that's when I thought we might catch them up. But they <laughs> yeah. didn't. And then they'd have another tough three games. Again, you're like away at Spurs was wanted one of their spells and win there. You'd be like, oh, damn. Yeah, they really are going to be a real threat this season. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what I don't know is at what point was I starting to believe, yeah, they are just going to go all the way here. Mm. Um, but possibly, very possibly, it'd be around about the turn of the year. Um, yeah, the Chelsea game, we always seem to have big performances at Chelsea. It's, it's actually become a very favourable kind of ground for us, hasn't it? Uh, and a fixture for us um, to take nothing away from that particular performance but we always tend to do it at Chelsea uh we always put a big statement winning what I'd like to do at this juncture and I know obviously I'm getting ahead of myself and we're going to cover these games of course but you look at these kind of post guitar games and it really is it just really comes to the fore how inconsistent we were mm. because 
A great performance at Leeds, followed by the disappointment at home to Everton. A great performance at Chelsea, followed by losing to United in a derby. Battered Spurs 4-2, battered Wolves 3-0, and then we had that horrendous Nadar Nadir at, um, at Spurs. So within those kind of seven or eight games, we were just hot and cold every week. You just didn't know which city were going to turn up. So that smacks of a, system, a systemic problem, um, if I could say the word. And um, yeah, that was becoming quite apparent around this time. Was it a World Cup hangover for some? Because there were some individuals that just uh, seemed uh, off it. Yeah, very possibly, but it, it's that's really subjective. There's no way of us knowing. And no, nah, I'm not having that. You could say as well that it's the same for you know all of the players who went to the World Cup, regardless of who, which clubs they play for. Yeah, no, that gives them. I think that gives them a pass to say that it was a World Cup hangover. I think that that I think I think that you just cannot escape um, the Spurs four two game as for me the turning point in the season. Like people will talk about the charges and all that sort of business, which dropped after. But the reality is that that's the game where Rico Lewis gets kicked around. Nobody does anything. We come back from 2-0 down, we win 4-2, but Guardiola uses that post-match press conference to basically go, these lads don't want it. Mm. He questioned, make no mistakes, he questioned the mentality, the hunger, the desire, and the respect of all of the senior players in the squad in that post But then we lose at Spurs. Sorry? But then we lose at Spurs. Yeah, but we always lose to Spurs. It's just like that's just the thing. Like in in the main, for me, if you look at the results after um after the 4-2 against Spurs, that's where everything changes. Because after that, there's only the Forest 1-1 that can be viewed as a poor quote unquote poor result. We don't lose after that. We don't even draw after that. We win pretty much every game from the end of from mid-Feb onwards. So now for me, that Spurs post-match press conference was the turning point it was the moment that i went anybody who's not with it sell them like i was sat there just going i'm with pep if they because they rico lewis did get thrown around and it was disgraceful the way that nobody stuck up for him and i think that it was a symptom of a wider issue with the squad coasting for whatever reason they were coasting that changed it they stopped coasting after that Stay. I'm afraid we'll have to go back briefly. You have to deal with the the bad admin. <laughs> He's still annoyed about that offside goal at Old Trafford. Yeah. Question one. Oh, Question lovely. two. This is, of course, the time of the season we actually go out the Carabao Cup as well with a pitiful performance against Southampton. Mm. Couldn't care less now. At the time, though, did it make you annoyed? Um, so start with the offside goal, then on to Southampton. Well, Everything's yeah. plain sailing after this, don't worry. The offside goal uh, annoyed me infinitely more than losing to Southampton. Um, you know, you can lose cup games, one-off affairs, that happens. Um, no, the, the offside goal was just, it was ludicrous and it was unprecedented. And subsequently we found out that, you know, in future seasons to come, that will be given as offside. Oh, right, that's nice that it's happened at our expense. Um, how often does that happen, by the way, where something stupid happens to City and then, Afterwards, it's like, oh, no, yeah, we're going to change the rules to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, and the fact that it was at Old Trafford, um, it was not quite as bad as their illegal late goal in the 4-3 all those years ago. And, and it was illegal. It was overtime. Um, 
Wow. But it was it was nearly there. It was up, up there because it was just ridiculous. You watched it with your own eyes, and I don't care if I've never coached a football team in, in my life, and I don't care if I've never been involved in any football clubs in terms of admin or anything like that in my life. I have seen a thousand and more football matches in my life, and I'm back my own judgment and my own eyes, and you watch that and you go, how? How is that not offside? In what in what universe is that not offside? It, it was just exasperating. Um, and it still is today, so thanks for, for reminding me. Oh, no problem. <laughs> well, throw in the FA Cup final, that's probably two games against United where they're thinking of changing the, the laws after mm. City have been in the wrong end of something. Though I, I think the handball thing was being looked at anyway. It was not, anyway. Not because City we're, were... We're not because of what happened in yeah. the FA Cup final. So. Yeah. Right, we move on then. Yes. Uh, I say it's all plain sailing. I'll stay with you, Steve, because Ace has said after Spurs' 4 2 win, uh, absolutely crazy game again. <laughs> uh, yeah, two goals conceded just before half time and blitzed them in the second half. After that, he felt Pep calling players out was a turning point. Mm. I'm going to give a few other options in a sec for ASAM to deal with that perhaps turned our form around. But many people will point to the Premier League charges as when, as in Aysan's own words, Pep chose violence. Everyone came out <laughs> fighting. We beat Villa the next week. And you know, when we did that, fight, obviously what comes after is going to the Emirates. But did you feel that week of the Premier League charges was an absolute integral week in the history of this football club? Yeah, definitely in this season, how it panned out. What I didn't like is obviously we had podcasts and we discussed it and we talked about our feelings and we talked about you know this and that about it. But what I didn't like is we could talk to we're blue in the face. We were kind of on the outside looking in. You know, this kind of just came out of nowhere, and we didn't know the full facts at that juncture. We didn't know the you know the consequences, and so it is the uncertainty and just the you know the unknowns that's what i didn't like that's what really and what i mean by that is one of those unknowns is how it would affect the team and how it would affect our season um we soon found out <laughs> and so thank you premier league because you know you basically did as much as john stones or erling Haaland to secure us for league title this year um because it absolutely revitalized the club um it just brought everyone together um it just kicked them up the arse basically um, so in hindsight, it, it's a positive in, in regards to what it led to in May. Um, but at the time, there was a lot of unknowns and, and obviously it's not a pleasant time. Hmm. Do you remember the moment that news broke on a Monday morning? Yeah, I, I remember just kind of... Um, just actually... Uh, well, my, just a, a big... Uh, when I, I, remember, I remember it well because I was working and I happened to flip over to Twitter and it was must have been the first guy who broke it. So it was basically, you know, like on Twitter when something big happens and you just go down your timeline and that subject is talked about and talked about and talked about. This was one tweet amidst people talking about what they're having for their tea later. You know, it was just one on its mm. own. So I just thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's wrong. You know, someone's got it wrong there. Why, why has he put that? Is, it, is that like a test tweet he's put up? And then it started to filter in. Um and that's, yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't, like I say, it wasn't a pleasant day. Hmm. Anyway, see, we're about to turn this season around in every possible way. Hey, Sam, just briefly before we look at these games, other possible reasons that things turned around. John Stones 
been turned into one of the world's greatest midfielders. Uh, Rico Lewis being a conduit for that, I would say. Ruben Dias, who hadn't featured much before the World Cup, becoming a regular again, sacking off Cancelo, and perhaps that improved team morale and the togetherness. Were those factors for you in what would follow? I think that uh, after the Spurs game and the Premier League charges, I would put getting rid of Jao Cancerous Cancelo was probably the uh, the best thing that that happened in terms of turning the form around. I think that one of the one of the things that you you saw and you felt in the running is just the kind of camaraderie in the group and the the closeness within the group. And it must have been horrendous to have somebody in there messing that up. Like, you know, like everybody, everybody knows who's worked in any type of office environment or group environment that you only need one person to at the fool every day. And you start dreading going into work. Everybody begins to feel it. And there's no doubt from the stories that have come out that Cancelo was an absolute twat and the fact that he got yarded like in the January transfer window, that it just it tells you everything that you need to know. The fact that he went to a Champions League rival, it tells you everything that you need to know. Clearly, Pep was like, I don't give one shiny shit where you send him, get him out of Manchester. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh just quickly, Steve. You know, before or before this run that I'm about to describe, was there a point where you did think this season was transitional? Oh yeah, and a, oh, yeah, yeah, done yeah. for, like properly yeah. done. Not like, oh, this might not be a great season. Was there a moment where you thought we're not winning much this season? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always held out hope for a Champions League, and I don't know why, but I was always really confident that this was going to be our year in the Champions League, no matter what happened mm. throughout the course of the season. And um, I always thought that was going to be an outlier. But in terms of FA Cup, and obviously we're now at the League Cup, um, and we're training Arsenal by what is it around this point of the season about eight, eight, nine points. Uh, yeah, I, I really did. I, I was concerned. Um, yeah. and the thing with transitional seasons, I should point out as well, an obvious point. But you know, we've got Pep Guardiola, so we tend to forget this. Is that even if you do have Pep Guardiola, and even if you do have a great squad and all the rest of it, transitional seasons don't always, you know, produce a better season next year either. You know, that should never be taken for granted. Yeah, well, time to retweet myself. Uh, I did say <laughs> at this point that this team, I just didn't see this team put going on a, a long winning run like previous versions of them. Yeah. I didn't have it in them. Yeah, I was having, like I said, me and Tom used to do the review pod every Monday or Tuesday, and Tom's more of an optimist than I am, and he kept on saying, yeah, but this is City, we're going to put together a 10-game winning run, or, you know, and... I just it never sat right with me. Yeah. I just thought we should never take that for granted for sure. Look, well, they always prove me wrong usually, but thankfully I don't tweet such thoughts out. So <laughs> good luck trying to find that in a podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, I definitely said it, uh, and it's out there. So Arsenal away, hey son. Then after Villa, is this the definition of the must-win game? How good did that feel to go there and beat? Yeah, it was. It was. And just was, just firstly, that Kevin De Bruyne goal for. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And you know, to, to hear afterwards that he 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 he's basically had problems with a hamstring for months and months and months, 
Ah, wow, what a guy, what a player, what a goal, what a performance. It was the performance of a team that had made the decision psychologically that they were going to win the Premier League. And if they weren't going to win the Premier League, then they were going to make it, they were going to make Arsenal have to win almost every game between that point and the end of the season. That they really, it was a case of, we're we're here now we're awake and we're serious and we're not we don't stop here from here we just keep going um it's funny you know people talk about city as being machine-like and yet this season has been the most unmachine-like Guardiola Mm. team we've just beaten teams in so many different ways and so many different styles of play and so many different types of performances and you know it just it it speaks to it speaks to the evolution of pep as a coach and as a manager and and the evolution of the players that how multifaceted they've become and how used to doing the things that guardiola challenges them to do uh game in and game out how used to it that that they've become that all the way in the build-up to the Arsenal game, the narrative is is really around John Stone stepping into midfield, right? Or the Rico Lewis role, as everybody's calling it, and that's the thing. And then we go at the Emirates on that night, and it's a flat back four, and we basically it's basically four four two, and we're going long to Kevin K uh, to to Kevin Harland all 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 evening. It was just it was just amazing, really amazing. What what really stood out for me in that game as well is there's very few chances. If you look back at the stats, yeah. it's but from both teams, it was basically two managers who knew each other inside out, trying to act, you know out kind of trying to surprise each other really, um, and that kind of translated into obviously what was for us a very enjoyable game of football. But in terms of um, for the neutral, I, I probably not because th- there were a few shots, and I think there was like three quarters in total. Two for City, one for Arsenal. I can't recall. You know, I, I did a stat every week, and that's probably the lowest amount of corners for any game in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I'm not going to. We won, so I'm not going to uh, dwell on the dodgy penalties in that game. I remember on the Saturday thereafter, a uh, friend's birthday, I went into the pub. It was 87 minutes, 88 minutes, I think, Aston Villa against Arsenal, two all. We had Nottingham Forest away later in the you know at the three o'clock kickoff, and I'm like, if they can hold on now, Villa, this could be this is it now. This is the season turning after what happened during the week, because Arsenal get two goals. We somehow don't beat Nottingham Forest. Did that knock all the confidence that Arsenal giving you out of you stay that day? No, 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 not at all. It, it was the funny thing is with this season is I can identify. The Tottenham away game. That's that's my personal one. What I can identify as the turning point, and and you know, I I have subsequently you know what, what I sense just said there. I think, yeah, okay, exactly. Both Tottenham games, um. But personally, I look at the season and go, that was the turning point. That that Tottenham defeat. I can't really pinpoint a game where you think, oh, we are back now. We are. This is it. We we we're in, we're winning. We're a winning machine again. Um. It kind of just evolved, didn't it? Um, there were obviously some standout games and standout performances. Um, but amongst that thinking, 
there's also no point in the season after that Spurs defeat where I thought, nah, we're back, back to struggling. Or, you know, it was a false dawn. There's none of that at any point. And including that, the Forest game, it was just an outlier. It was a one-off. It was if you play the type of football that we play and you create the amount of chances we create and we have the amount of possession that we have, you are going to get one of these games a season. And it just happened to be that week away at Forest. Um, And that's all it was. I think the key thing uh, for me is that the issues earlier in the season were very much built around the idea we're not creating anything that we can keep the ball for ages but it's just anemic possession with no real creativity or penetration whereas Forrest they should have lost by four or five the number of clear-cut chances that we created um it just it was one of those days and because we'd beaten Arsenal three days earlier I just I I was under no I, I was under no illusion that it wasn't going to do anything to the team, that they'd just carry on, they'll keep playing the way that they're playing and the results will come. Okay, well, I should just uh, say at this point, we're uh, tootling along nicely in the FA Cup. We'd obviously early put four past Chelsea. We'd be, you know, getting a lot of hard games, but at home, uh, I say hard, it was Arsenal next 1-0 and then we, of course, put six past Burnley. Uh, Got some championship sides after that, so it went quite nice. And of course, yeah, uh, Sheffield United, Bristol City, I think was one, was it not? So mm-hmm. we're, we're doing well in that competition. And of course, yeah, it helped, really helped in this period that's coming up that we we got the one remaining championship side in the semi-final, which I think helped, you know, helped with our resources in our small squad. So this we're already in a period, I think, of a 25-game unbeaten run in which time 70 goals were scored. This is in all competitions, of course. 70 scored, 14 conceded. In the league, we're about to win 12 on the trot. Uh, we're obviously not going to discuss them all. 4-1, Bournemouth, a feisty 2-0 against Newcastle. Huh. A 1-0 at Palace that does not live in my memory at all. Uh, latest penalty for Haaland, but they got... Oh, yeah, I remember watching it. remember where I was now. <laughs> That's how I... The only things I remember in my life are through City results, so... I remember being in Stratford for some reason, uh, but we got the result. And of course, then Asan 4-1 against Liverpool, having gone behind. Your thoughts on that game? And was there a point here in this run, 4-1 at Southampton thereafter, 3-1 against Leicester? Was there a point where you felt, we're doing this, we are chasing Arsenal down? Yes, absolutely. I think that... that um it's funny because I was in an airport watching that that Palace game that that was one nil, um, waiting for a connection to Ibiza, uh, and the person sat opposite me came over and what are you watching, and I was like, oh, I'm watching City, and it turned out they were an Arsenal fan, um, so I had, had, had a good bit of banter with them. But no, I think for me, um, when we go one nil down against Liverpool, that's the moment where I go all right, let's see what you're made of because that is exactly the type of situation against exactly Mm. the kind of team where it can have a seriously negative effect uh, on the rest of the performance. And we just, we just brush that goal off and then just go, go right ahead and dismantle them. Um, And we do it without Haaland. It was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was, 
it was Pep apologizing for what he'd done at Anfield. Like literally he saw, because now that we know that Pep's got his own Twitter account and somebody else is not reading it for him, he definitely saw my my uh, my fury after Anfield and he went, I'm not doing that again. When they come to the Etihad, they're getting slapped. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And then look, you've got to think about that run. You go to Southampton, you beat them by four. Then you beat Bayern in the Champions League by three. You beat Leicester by three. Do you know what I mean? Just you... You've, you've, you're cruising at that point from a Premier League point of view, from a Champions League point of view. Confidence is sky high. The system is set. The selections are set. There's it's no. The it's the peak of the team, isn't it? Because yeah. we're breathing, we're breathing through our arse by the end of this season, let's be honest, yeah. which is not surprised <laughs> yeah. after 60 games. This is the peak of perhaps the greater side. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, he just said Barcelona, and of course later would come Madrid. So we've we've already had that double Champions League draw, which looks really ominous. Basically, it's pretty much as bad as it could get. We expected to get Napoli in the final if we got through those two, uh, but that wasn't to to pan out, of course. So yeah, it, the fixture list looked brutal at that time, stay, and yet. Yeah. Whilst Steel, you know, you've got that Palace game. Not ever that Newcastle one was, you know, and the Leicester one. We went three 0 up and then fell to pieces when he made about five subs. Not perfect, but you really were seeing City stretching their legs in this period. There. Yeah. If you look back at the uh, the season where you know we went toe to toe with Liverpool and there's just a series of one nils, two ones, you know, and and basically playing keep ball for the last ten minutes whilst the fans are just chewing their fingernails down to the quick. There was none of that, and you know, like I said earlier, there was no one game where I could say that's where you know I thought right, we're, we are truly back here. But it's certainly a period of games where I thought that, and you include upon that the four one against Liverpool. What I found interesting about the Liverpool game was. We always talk about the fine margins if you talk about great sides, and I would, you know, qualify Liverpool under Klopp not this season, but you know, up to this season as a great side. We also want those fine margins, but as well as that, as if one of them's got a flaw, boy, is that evident? You know, if if they go toe to toe Liverpool and City, and one of them has a flaw, we've seen it sadly at our own expense when they've absolutely railroaded Anfield. This was kind of payback for that. This was they had chasms of space they were affording us and just reveled in it absolutely reveled in it mm. um and yeah like 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 you said how the amount of goals we're scoring four against liverpool four against southampton three against leicester four against arsenal we are demolishing teams um and this period as you said again was, this was peak city this was and I, I don't use this word lightly this was a privilege to watch them mm. we're not looking at players in this review we're doing individual ones for everyone. We're also doing key moments podcasts as well, where we ask members of the 9320 family about those moments. But one that probably wouldn't get in anyway, I just remember 1-0 down against Liverpool, Jack Grealish sprinting the entire pitch yes. yeah. to dispossess Mo Salah. I think summed up a lot of the team at this point yeah. uh, and the difference from earlier in the season for him, for others, for the way they played after going behind in this game. I think it was a perfect uh, illustration of what had changed. Now, I assume by the time we play in Arsenal at home, Asan, Arsenal have done their three-all against Southampton. That injury time against Southampton, I think I've got it in the right order because I think that changed what we needed from the game against Arsenal. It didn't become a must-win game anymore. 
that eight yep. minutes injury time against Southampton must have been the eight, longest eight minutes of my life because I knew, I know if they'd gone on to win, it didn't mean, oh no, that's weird done. But honestly, that just felt like, it felt like it was ours then already. And of course, I what I do remember, one of the things I remember from the season is the lack of jeopardy and nerves I felt during that game against Arsenal. Yeah. They felt beaten the, when they walked on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the... I don't think that they'd handled they'd they'd kind of played on emotion in the first part of the season and b- mm. before the World Cup and just after the World Cup and it had suited them. But I'd I'd been saying for a while that I felt that they were a little too emotional and that there's a there's almost like a, a, a an inverse effect to that that when you're riding the crest of the wave, you feel like you're the best team in the world. But then the flip side of that is that in adversity how do you how do you deal with that adversity? And I don't think you can deal with adversity from an emotional point of view. I think then you have to, Guardiola would say you have to go back to basics. You have to go back to whatever your identity is and lean on that. And I think that Arsenal's identity was emotion in the same way that Klopp's Liverpool's identity was emotion. And I think that if that's your entire identity, you're going to have a problem when things go wrong. And I, I think that that's a little bit what happened to them because they were much better as a team than they showed at the Etihad. They, I mean, they were, we killed them and we probably didn't even get our second gear to kill them. Do you know what I mean? It was just a bit of a, it was a bit of a mere game in a way because they Mm. just, they got, they got swatted aside, but they didn't, they didn't show themselves. They didn't show the best of themselves, not by a long stretch. And I think that all of that comes from a, a psychology and a mentality of how do you feel? How do you, if you, if every game, if you roll into every game going, we're winning the title, we're winning the title, we're winning the title. And Mm. then suddenly the title feels a little bit out of your hands or there's one game and it's like, you got to win that game to win the title. It becomes like a champions league final. And you know, that's not a good place to be in, in terms of a league season. I think that you have to have buckets of experience throughout your squad to be able to handle that and that's the other thing that I'd said all along with Arsenal um for me I didn't I felt I didn't feel they had the experience for the running and uh, that's kind of how it proved to be I mean they couldn't even (laughs) the most disappointing thing about Arsenal is that they couldn't even keep us honest enough for us to have to win Chelsea one of the you know the last three games the Chelsea Brighton Brentford thing like the fact that we'd already won the league by the time the Chelsea game rolled around, that shows just how pitiful That's Arsenal coming. were in the running. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two two goals for Kevin doesn't perform in big games, De Bruyne. <laughs> I was going to say the Arsenal. same thing. Yeah. Uh, my feelings after that game was not we've won the league, but we should win the league now. It just felt like this is obviously, I'm probably stating the obvious, it's in our hands. It's beyond in our hands. We should do it now. Yeah, but we do have Champions League. We do have FA Cup. Uh, I didn't think it was a done deal. Nervy 2-1 win at Fulham. Nervy for me anyway. Though the most nerves I felt was the Everton away game for some reason. I was totally on edge all day for that one. Uh, I don't know why, considering, you know, 3-0 against West Ham, 2-1 against Leeds, which again was nervy. In that run, stay. which game was it where he thought, you know, apart from what he was actually done, uh, mm. 
when thankfully I just happened to be in a pub with Ace and in the centre of Manchester and with Joe and Lloyd uh, as they as Arsenal lost at Nottingham Forest. Was there a win in that run where you actually thought, even though it wasn't mathematical, City are winning the league? Yeah, the, the Fulham game, it was a Fulham game for me. The Arsenal game, it's obviously incredibly meaningful. Um, and as, as you both discussed there, it was as meaningful from the perspective of Arsenal just looked broken and a bit beaten and, and you know, all of the positivity that they had seemed to have deserted him. So, yeah, it maybe should have been the, um, the Arsenal beaten, but for me, it was a Fulham one. It was... I kind of went into that taking it for granted. I was a bit complacent um, and it surprised me how much of a fight Fulham put up. I thought they had one eye on the beach and I was hopelessly wrong in that regard. Um, and yeah, I felt a bit nervy throughout with Fulham game and as soon as that final whistle went, I did think we have won the league here. Um, obviously, I wouldn't say so in public because, you know, there's a touch of arrogance about that, isn't there? Um, but yeah, I can admit now that's when I thought we've got the league sewn up. Asan, how did it feel to win the league this time around? Obviously, without Massive did it without playing, it's hard to define into it. Some of the, so many have gone to the wire in previous seasons. There's been two miraculous comebacks. It's easy to say that this one doesn't rate that highly uh, because it wasn't keeping Liverpool United at back. <laughs> Fuck that, mate. Yeah, for me, for Off me, go, to win three titles <laughs> on the bounce, yeah was more important than winning the treble. And that sounds weird, but it's a fact because what I wanted more than anything was the third title on the bounce because Guardiola deserved it. It's for me, that is the first achievement of what becomes a month, a month and a half of insane achievements, but we needed to get the first one first. And if you look at our, the nadir of January, late December, early January, the talk of a transitional season, the the number of players that were being questioned, even Pep being questioned, the the praise that was being heaped upon Arsenal to go from that, me feeling like my dream of a three-peat was slipping away, um, to go from that to the ecstasy of, and also, like, because it's, it's one thing is to win it, but it's a little bit like the Champions League final, right? As much as I say that in the end, Arsenal didn't keep us honest, it was, it's was. it been a very difficult title to win because we mm. had to win an insane amount of games on the bounce and we had to create the pressure for Arsenal to crack. And our starting point for creating that pressure was low. We were far back. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it was neck and neck from January. They had a gap comfortable one that we needed to slowly chip away at and then create the pressure then make them crack beat them and then put it in our own hands and then go ahead and win it to do all of that to get the three p is just incredible and honestly makes a fucking mockery of people that talk about things that are inevitable there's nothing inevitable in football football is about hard work and it's about mentality and it's about players and coaches delivering and performing when it matters and so i uh, just it meant the world to me i, I melted in the ground on on, on the, at the chelsea game but it was worth it man it was just it was something else really something else anything to add stay no perfectly put uh, i will say as well that um moments after we won the champions league i said to my brother i can go back to not really particularly caring about the champions league now because it was a case of just get that monkey off our back 
Because <laughs> of me, the league for me is everything. Every mm. season, the league for me is everything. Um, so yeah, I've just got that. To and add. yet, stay amongst this. We beat Bayern Munich three 0 and Real Madrid four 0 mm. I mean, With, before where do you even was, start? Where yeah, do you even I, start out of this world performances, particularly the Real Madrid one. Um, that was possibly the, the greatest kind of football I've ever seen from any side in my lifetime. Um, you can put Barca up there as well. Um, just happened to have the same coach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Coincidence. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, the Real Madrid one will just stay long, long in the mind. It was, that was, that was a treat. Um, I wasn't expecting, I, I was confident of beating Real. Um, I, I, again, it's just weird. Confidence I've had all season that we're going to win the Champions League. Uh, and you can add that to it as well. I just thought we're going to maybe struggle out there. I think I was tipping us to lose 2-1 in Madrid, um, but then kind of batter them at ours. Um, and that's what transpired apart from them. You know, it was a 1-1 in Madrid. Uh, the quality of football that night was just unbelievable. It was on another scale. And, um, the ferocity, the commitment, the hard work, like Aston said, you know, all of these mean as much as, you know, the fluidity and, and the movement and the kind of passing and, and the creativity. Um, you put all of those together and then put in 10 out of 10 performances from most of that team and you have just got just an incredible exhibition of football at the very highest level against the very highest level of, of, of opposition. So, and it comes down to one week, eight days perhaps, two games, trebles on. Did this feel, what, leading up to it, like the most important and nerve-wracking week no. you would have as a City fan? No. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't think that, um, you know what I'm like, like I, I, can't, I tend to relish big games and... I think we're built for big moments as a football club. And so I wasn't, I, I couldn't, I didn't really, I didn't really think about the magnitude of the achievement because the achievement didn't really, until United fans started talking about their treble, it just didn't, it, it didn't really even register with me that it was something that was a thing, like a big thing. Um, and then it was like, oh, right. So like, this is a narrative in the media that like, you know, we've got to stop City winning the treble. And the thing that made me chuckle was it was a little bit like the gobby Arsenal fans uh, at a point in the season where it was like, don't, don't talk about City like that because, you know, you just, your emotion will fuck you. It won't fuck us because we'll be cold because that's what we're like. We'll turn up and we'll be cold and we'll be well coached and we might even play badly, but we'll beat you and we'll beat you because the emotion will kill you. And that's exactly what happened. Like, I mean, obviously it helps when you score a goal after 12 seconds, right? But <laughs> Does you help. see my point? It just, it, it, the emotion killed them. It absolutely killed them. And that was it. There was no, even after they got the snide, snide penalty goal, right? Second half, there was only ever going to be one winner of that football match. So, and that was it. Once the once that was done, that they were beaten. It was like okay, onto uh, onto Istanbul and and into Milan, and that was always going to be a lottery. I feel very vindicated in spending a week saying to everybody, this game isn't a gimme. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be gnarly. It's not going to be easy. It you know it just it, it's. It's a 50-50 game, basically. It's not a 50-50 game, but it's a 50-50 game. Inter Milan can beat Man City on the day. 
and we can have no complaints. So, and it kind of panned out like that. I think, I think in a way, and I guess you guys agree that the the legs had. I think we'd run out of legs before the FA Cup final. Mm. I think that the FA Cup final, the performance wasn't great. Um, and then I think Pep made a mistake picking the same team again for the uh, for the Champions League final, certainly in the attacking part of the pitch, because I think you saw that in just how nervy and anemic they all were. Um, but again, football's just about getting it over the line. And, you know, again, to make a mockery of the inevitable and all that sort of stuff. No, it's about heart and it's about hard work and... It's about defenders putting their bodies on the line and goalkeepers making world-class saves in big moments. And it just, yeah, I mean, it's about the collective and there's been there's been no greater collective achievement uh, that this club have has had than this season because it's built on the collective. People will point at Haaland's goals, but Haaland's goals were only a really... A, a part of it yeah there's so much more to what this achievement was about and it's it's Guardiola's biggest achievement as a football manager because he did it without Messi and I'm sorry but no matter how good that Barcelona team were they were only that good because of Messi and and that just he 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 really was at that time a cheat code Erling Haaland isn't a cheat code Erling Haaland is an incredible number nine who given the right opportunities, will score goals. But he's human. He missed chances. He missed chances in the FA Cup. He missed chances in the Champions League final. The achievement is about the collective. Stay. The performance, of course, won't live longer than memory, perhaps. But uh, just briefly sum up what those the two last final games of the season meant to you. Um, did you say the prawns won't last longer than memory? I hope I said performances. Oh, performances. <laughs> he said prawns. You he definitely said, said prawns. prawns. <laughs> Howard, when you listen to this back, you definitely said prawns, mate. Are you hungry? I, I thought it was a dig at, you know, a Roy Keane. Kind of I, am, I am hungry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot you go retro with it. <laughs> um, yeah, and the performances don't matter shit. They really genuinely don't matter at all. The fact that we played quite poorly in FA Cup final and the same goes for Istanbul, that generally doesn't matter one iota um all that people remember is the results the outcome the winners it was like as you said it's about getting over the line and the legs had gone at this point um in fact i would go further it wasn't so much for legs it was in the head you know they they were mentally tired the players uh, and that showed in their performances but was still good enough and the formula is still good enough um and if that is applied then you're going to win far more times than you lose, and no matter the opposition. Um, I kind of knew throughout going up to Istanbul that it was going to be a low-scoring affair. Uh, I just really felt that in my bones. Um, and so when Rodri scored, it kind of felt like, that's it, we've won the Champions League, even with half an hour to go. Um Obviously, I was proven wrong in that because they created some real genuine chances, like three, maybe even four. But still... That was a goal that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, it was mm. just, I mean, God knows what it's like for you, mate, being out there. But um, in, in the confines of my own home, watching it from kind of thousands of miles away, that was the, the most satisfying experience since Aguero, I guess, QPR for me. Agreed. Um, it was just such a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And for further details for all of us, 
on Istanbul. Do check out our input earlier in the week. So won't dwell any more on that, except to ask, hey, Sandy, has it actually sunk in yet that City have won the treble? For me, it's getting there now. For me, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, the number of players being linked with the move away from the club is, is part of the reason that it's sunk in because it's like, wow, we, we did it. It, it, it took a while. It took a long time. The Champions League did. And it took so long that like you feel as though there's a group of players that feel as though that's project over. It's time to go now. Um, but for me, it really has sunk in. I think, you know, what I what I realize that I'll will become before and after the the winning the treble is that like I say I've not looked really at a single piece of you know negative media and I've seen some and I just haven't even you know just like it's, it's in one eye and out the other eye I'm just so I feel so content and I feel so proud of of Pep and the club and the staff and the players and everybody involved and the supporters home and away. And just, you know, it's a, it's a collective achievement and, and that's something to be deeply, deeply proud of. Stay. How difficult is it for a team to do a treble, even if they are considered and they are the best team? Um, it's a phenomenal achievement because you just need one bad performance. I mean, not just in the knockouts as well, but in the league too. Because at one point, you know, you look back at the last third of that season, one bad performance, Goodson, let's say, you know, and there could be a very different, you know, um, rest of the season then. Um, so yeah, all you need is to just not turn up on the day, just have a bad day at the office, um, and that's it. It's it's over. Um, but the when I say ease, I don't mean that it was easy and accomplished in an easy manner. But in terms of the scorelines, the ease in which we progressed past Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, three nils and four nils, um, that that's just incredible. I mean well, that that bit hasn't sunk in. I've got yeah, to say, can I do some stats for you? Yeah, because yeah. then it, you know, it might be easy for you to find just how is it special because it's a treble, or is it special even more special because of this? Uh, who they beat along the way, basically. So they beat Liverpool in cup competitions. They beat Chelsea twice in the cups. In fact, they beat Chelsea four times this season without conceding a goal. They beat Arsenal in the cup. Did the double over Arsenal in the league. Put six past United, four past Liverpool. Uh, they conceded one goal in their FA Cup run, which was, of course, a dodgy penalty in the final. They chased down Arsenal, won the league with two games to spare. Or was it three, in fact? They were undefeated in the Champions League campaign uh, with 32 goals across the 13 matches, the best in the tournament by six. They conceded five goals across the whole Champions League tournament, 151 goals in all tournaments, 52 goals for Haaland, 28 assists for Kevin De Bruyne, who was injured for the last two months of the season. Pep, the first manager to win two trebles in a men's game. And of course, they broke rival fan bases in the process. So (laughs) putting all that into the mix makes it even more than just a treble. I love that you've included breaking fan bases as a stat. <laughs> I can break it it's down a record. even further if you want. Yeah. Well, it's a, I think it's a record for how many fan bases we broke this season. Well, <laughs> true, pa- Poundland Dara O'Brien said that football is dead, so there you go. <laughs> and it's, some people will know who I'm referring to there. 
It's a truly phenomenal football side. It's a truly phenomenal creation in which we are witnessing, in which we are lucky enough to support. And it's all come to fruition this season. I mean, obviously, we've had great seasons in the past, um, magnificent achievements. Um, but yeah, going back to your original question and how difficult it is to win a treble, all you have to do is just look at how rarely it happens. That, that answers the question. And, and, you know, all of those seasons all the way back for teams who haven't won trebles, there are some incredible sides there who have never come close to winning a treble. Mm. Hey, Sam, question for you. to think we'll have to wrap up soon. We've got other pods, as I said, to discuss this season. This is not the end of it by a long way. But I ask you a question. Is the hardest fact for potential rivals to take on board the following, that City's greatest season was actually one done on the back of adversity? Because obviously, as we've just discussed, there was a moment where I thought we'd win nothing this season or possibly win nothing, where we thought it was a transitional season. There were issues, there were squad issues, one player was canned off and we still went and won the treble. That must be soul-sapping for potential rivals in seasons going forward. Yeah, but I just think, I think, I think the, the manner of the victory, I think there's this kind of... Um, like there's a with rivals i think there's a kind of a massively distorted view of what city are so i don't think it really for me i don't think it's about the fact that we did it in adversity it's about the fact that we did it it's just about the it's it's fundamentally about the fact that city have won the champions league now so that's it there's nothing left to take the piss about we're just objectively the best team in the country and have been for the last decade and i think that that's a very difficult position for them to find themselves in because I think the Champions League quietly is something that they've clung to for a while, the idea that uh, City can't win the Champions League. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, it, and the the manner of the league victory, well, it's, as much as it's inevitable, it's like most of the other league victories that it took really hard work. It wasn't easy. And there was a mo there was a moment where it looked like we might not do it. Steve, final question for you is easy one. What next for City? Hmm. Because I guess every time Pep raises the bar, he pres he actually creates for himself his biggest yeah. challenge thereafter. He does. He does. Um, we can expect some kind of metamorphosis, um, just sh purely because of the sheer number of players it looks like are going to be both leaving and arriving this summer. And his assistant, uh, maybe. Mm. So... It's it's a constant flux, isn't it? You know, it's genius achieved amongst constant flux. Um, it would be great to just get, you know, kind of a mandate, a blueprint put down with the same kind of, you know, 16 to 18 players and have three seasons with no adversity throughout. Um, and, you know, we would win the league. We would win most of the domestic cups. Um but that's not the City way. And, and that's ultimately what annoys me most about the bullshit that's written about this club is when it's called inevitable and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, no, it's not. It's done through sheer adversity and it's done through change and, crucially, it's done via reinvention. And we've seen that throughout the course of the season. Pep has reinvented City on the hop this season mm. uh, and we've ended up with a treble. That man is beyond genius. He is the greatest coach who has ever coached a football inside in the history of the sport. Um, here, here, here. Um, and right. we've, see, we've seen it in evidence before our very eyes. Yeah, right. It's time to wrap up. I say that was an overview of the season. We'll be digging deep in other podcasts. Hey, son, 
And it was brilliant to go through it all again. It was brilliant to do it in just uh, under an hour and a half to relive it. Hey, Sam, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. you're a legend. Thank you for being the legend that you are all season and for being on this journey with us and guiding us on 9320. So thank you, Howard, and thank you, Steve, and thank you to the listeners. What a hell of a journey it was. Steve, thank you very much. Howard, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> More than prawns. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you did say it. You you did. <laughs> it was staying in then. It's very hot in this room, so who knows what else I said during that 90 minutes. Uh, right, that's all. Right, we've got loads more coming, as I said. Key moments, pods, individual play reviews, season quiz, Friday show, the market, of course, cult heroes and more, straight into the quadruple season next season. <laughs> so stay tuned. We're all off to toast the greatest team in English football history with not one, not two, but three shots of whiskey. It's trebles all round. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and as always, a son. Up the prawny in treble winning Man City Blues. <laughs> <laughs>